okay i even think i'm getting a bit of a headache which is very annoying because we have a lot of stuff to get through today um i feel a bit under the weather i've woken up and my nose is blocked which is why i sound like this i sound like i'm speaking through my nose um and my throat is a bit dry and irritated i don't know what's happened i've just woken up and i feel meh i feel like i need I need a lot of water, I need a sauna and steam room session, I need a good stretch just to like regroup but I don't have a space to do that right now because we are going to be diving into today's episode um, at a slower pace than usual. I know you're used to energetic lively Naomi but today Naomi is like at 67% which is probably great for you because I'm always being told that if not that I mumble which I disagree with I think I have a bad habit of speaking out loud and oftentimes I'm speaking but it's not that I actually want to be heard and number two I know that when I'm speaking about a passion topic or even just in natural conversation I can find myself speaking quite rapidly because number one I know that people who speak fast often try to keep up with the thoughts in their brain and I am guilty of having 105 tabs open in my mind I'm constantly bouncing between ideas and thoughts and feelings assessing how I feel my physical body trying to remain um, present trying to make sure that I'm on top of my to-do list and so forth so yeah I am sometimes in a position where I can see myself trying to get my thoughts out as quickly as possible so that I don't lose my train of thought or um just kind of like release whatever it is I'm thinking and feeling and I also know that um I sometimes experience social anxiety and I know you're going to be surprised to hear this because you look at me or you, you watch me in an in a social setting I exude confidence um and you know I, I come across very bold well spoken and so forth but I do internally experience social anxiety and I think more often than not we're used to seeing people who or we expect people who have social anxiety to become quite small or withdrawn kind of in the background um, and I do sometimes experience moments where I am withdrawn in an unfamiliar space or in a space where I feel uncomfortable. Um, I become very observant so that I can kind of like figure out how I'm feeling, who's in the room with me, how I'm going to manage and navigate that space. But um, oftentimes I express social anxiety by way of becoming quite big. I become very conversational. I find myself wanting to hold space and it's almost a bit... It makes me feel like I'm in control if I'm initiating conversations and, um, you know, being conversational and, I don't know, being very sociable because it allows me to kind of like be present and not be so in my head and unpacking and borderline paranoid about whatever it is that fuels my anxiety. It just, it almost feels like an out-of-body experience of my nervous system becoming very deregulated or dysregulated. Is it dysregulated or deregulated? I'm gonna I'm gonna say deregulated. Anyways, that has nothing to do with today's episode. Don't know how I got into this tangent. Um, on today's episode, <laughs> we're gonna be speaking about the N word, and it's not the word you're thinking. I know I'm not a brain reader or mind reader, should I say? But I'm gonna assume that you're thinking of a particular N word, and it's not that word. This is a word that I've personally seen floating all over the internet. Suddenly, everyone's added it to their vocabulary, which I'm not immediately mad at. I'm very heavy on using definitive words to describe thoughts, feelings, experiences and expressions. However, equally as heavy on knowing and understanding the true body of what a word is before using it to label, to describe things. I think it's important for the sake of feeling validated within yourself, um, sure of yourself, 
and also allowing others to really understand what it is that you're saying or why you're saying something because you you know why you said it because you understand what the word is um what else can i add i think this word for the most part is used to describe people in a negative light and it's understandable given the fact that the word has extremes and in an extreme and in in its extreme it's not a positive i want to say this respectfully it's not a positive expression or characteristic or way of being however in its milder forms it's it's very natural and human to carry some of these traits i'm like i'm like holding onto this word like it's a mystery box but the word is drum roll please <laughs> that drum roll was terrible don't judge me <laughs> that was really bad what even was that anyways um so the word is narcissism slash narcissist and I have a theory which we're going to unpack. I'm going to tell you a story and then we're going to look at some definitions and we can figure out if my theory has any legs. So it's very important for you to hold on to the theory that I put forth so that you can, you know, stay with me basically as I get through this, this episode. Um, of course, we're going to unpack what narcissism means, but I'm going to go ahead and basically, by definition, narcissism is labelled as a personality disorder, which I really dislike i hate words like disability and disorders because i don't know i don't like words that really highlight people's differences but in a negative way i think when you hear the word disorder it just feels very it just feels so nasty and so broad um it's just ugly and especially because i'm a non-believer of neuronormality which means i basically think everyone is arguably um neurodiverse um even though this is not an episode about neurodivergence neurodiversity or being neurotypical i just want to highlight that because it complements why i have a theory that everyone is a narcissist and that narcissism is on a spectrum um i don't think you can just be one thing i think you have like little traits of many different things that create your individual self um but yeah let's get back into narcissism just to reiterate what my theory is the theory is that i believe that everyone is a narcissist and that narcissism is on a spectrum um my story so i'm at my mum's house mind my business doing my laundry before i start my day i think i was getting ready for you not even i think i was getting ready for uni i maybe had a few hours to spare to kind of do some mundane tasks and my mum's tenant comes down and basically sparks a conversation with me you know normal stuff like how are you what are you doing or we got planned for the day and but basically just spell out the fact that i'm you know doing my laundry as you can see <laughs> sorry i don't mean to be sarcastic but you know how sometimes someone asks you a question it's like you can literally see me in my laundry basket like what's it that i'm doing anyways don't be rude don't be rude Naomi. don't be rude um and i tell him that you know my plans for the day are just really uni naturally he asked me what i'm studying and i tell him i am studying a master's in integrative counseling and coaching and he does what most people do when I say this, which, again, this might be like a little secret between you and me, but I sometimes get, I want to use the word irritated to describe the feeling, but I don't know if it's like, it's not like the heightened irritation, it's just like, Ugh, why are you doing this? I'll tell someone that I'm studying um, counselling and coaching and they'll start vocalising their opinion on counselling or their experience with counselling. And it's kind of like, I didn't ask you, I was literally just answering your question, but we move. They either do that or they do the whole, like, what do you think is wrong with me or what am I thinking? And I have to highlight that I'm not a psychiatrist, so I definitely can't diagnose you and I'm not a psychic either, so I don't know what you're thinking. Like, 
don't do that don't do that it's annoying <laughs> it's annoying <laughs> it is annoying anyways so he then goes on to say that um he feels like he should speak to me more um because he probably needs counseling and i have a generic response when people say stuff like i need to go counseling i always say everyone needs counseling and i say that not because i think everyone has issues which is a bracket topic because I do believe that we all have issues respectfully, which doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. I just think that life happens. And, you know, through our individual individuation process, we experience things that cause us to have expressions, um, thought patterns, beliefs and mechanisms that aren't always... The thing is that it doesn't even necessarily mean that they're unhealthy, but their roots aren't always rooted in healthy grounds because of how they were developed and constructed so you have to have an understanding of how your experiences affect how you show up and feel about yourself and other people um and i also think it's very important to have um i think it's very important and healthy to have someone speak to you that's a non-relative or professional who has the the tools or is equipped with the tools to hold space and aid you with your awareness of self and your environment and to be honest, to be fair, I also think that there are a lot of skills that are taught within counselling and coaching that should be taught within schools, even when it comes to, um, I don't know, things like public speaking. Um, I think these all have like life skills, but I don't even want to go on a tangent about some of the other life-related information and skills the curriculum falls short of because we could be here for days. Things like agriculture, things like mindfulness and well-being, things directly relating to like our diets, um, financial literacy just to list a couple of things that like the curriculum falls short of delivering this information to us in a way where we can use it in our day-to-day like these are things that as you go through life if you don't start taking an interest in your own personal development and well-being success and stability you are basically doomed because you don't have access to information that could make you quantify a high quality of life Anyways, again, tangents, and let's go back to this story. Um, where was I? Yeah, so we spoke about him, you know, saying that he needs counselling or should speak to me more. Then he also says, I need to heal in order for me to move on. And again, very much facts. I, I think I said something like that sounds about right, because I don't believe that you can, again, quantify a good quality of life if you have repressed experiences and emotions living in your body and in your mind and when it comes to healing again this is probably a topic that we have to discuss on its own episode I think it's important to be able to understand why you think the way you think why you feel the way you feel you know what are the things that are an internal hindrance to your perspective and how you navigate life um but I guess in this conversation, I quickly shifted from being a quote-unquote normal person who was just at home getting ready to start their day to a quote-unquote counsellor who suddenly feels the need to hold space for someone. And to be fair, I don't even think I felt like I needed to, but I understand now more than ever that I was sensing him starting to share his material. And I'm going to use the word material because it's going to allow me to remain objective um, in delivering the body of the message I'm trying to relay. But... I think that there are defining moments in conversations that can sometimes feel very normal, but can also turn into an unanticipated pivotal breakthrough moment for people. And by just being attentive um, and showing empathy, you can 
facilitate like a positive outcome for someone and I'm very am I gonna say passionate adamant to try and maximize how many times I do that in conversation with people um in in counseling this is called being with a client and side note it is so difficult to not turn every person I speak to into a client it's like the hardest thing ever I can be having a conversation with somebody who just happens to be venting just happens to be sharing and my brain is like oh this and that and this and that and it's like Naomi just be human um but like I said for me I'm very attentive to the fact that sometimes when people are speaking if you're not careful um with with how you facilitate or hold that space with someone you can have you can create more damage than um being able to help someone just navigate different avenues of thought enough for them to have an understanding or an awareness about something they didn't know about themselves or situation um and yeah in this in this conversation especially when i think when you're speaking to people being unaware everyone delivers information different ways but body language tone mannerisms or even just words that people use to describe their experiences or what they're sharing will tell you very quickly how sensitive or dear said material is to said person which can sometimes help you in how you show up in a conversation and I think in this particular situation I could see the curiosity I could see the the weight and the effect that the material had on the person because of how they were delivering it 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 seemed very the only word I can think of right now is sensitive but it seemed like I don't know like they were bothered that's probably the best way to say it um so after he's said this whole thing about you know needing to heal and so forth he then posed a question to me and he said how can someone start off being nice then you end up finding out that that's not who they are or um they were basically being fake and added how he's the type of person who invests and gives a lot to people doesn't really change and I guess for me this is where the conversation got quite juicy because I started picking at my theory of narcissism very carefully because I don't like being in conversation with someone where I can tell that this is something that bothers them, is sensitive or means a lot to them and I'm coming across as being challenging or combative or confrontational or dismissive because I want to give space for you to unpack your quote-unquote story or material but also challenge you in a way that allows you to decide which avenue of thought relates more to you or even give give you a perspective that perhaps your way of thinking didn't permit you to to have or to see. Um, and I basically repeat to him in unpacking my theory of narcissism, what I said earlier about the fact that narcissism is on a a spectrum for me. Um, I think that we all carry traits on one side of the spectrum. You have those who use it for good, um, whether that's consciously or unconsciously versus people who use it for bad. Um, when I say stuff like using it for good, um, I mean that it's either because a person is good if you believe that there is such a thing as just being a good person or because it feels good to do good things or be a good person or demonstrate the expression of being a good person however in saying that i think that we all have an ego not even i think it's the fact that we all have an ego and the ego thrives by feeling powerful um and, and feeling the sensation of pleasure um which means a lot of our actions are rooted in stroking our egos by either creating spirit creating experiences or being in spaces where you feel powerful or being in the position to to feel pleasure which can also come from feeling powerful does that does that make sense um but yeah at this point 
the conversation is lit because I can tell his body language is changing. He's very much screaming curiosity and he's invested in the conversation, which allows me to further like dissect my perspective. Um, and I basically share with him that I think everything he does, which is obviously this is a theory not to immediately dictate that's how he is but I propose that everything he does he does because of how it makes him feel and that those who are on the receiving end of his time and expression are channels that allow him to experience a return of his invested energy um so it never really is about other people which means if it is always about yourself and the fact that you get a return of a sensation a feeling or um an understanding of self that makes you feel empowered powerful good which is why you do what you do not necessarily because people deserve it or because you like them so much that you wanted to do x y and z which isn't definitive i do think that who a person is to you can sometimes shape how you show up for them but for the most part we do things because of how it makes us feel i added that people don't change um i think how we see people change i think our perception of who we thought the, our perception of who we think someone is changes over a course of time oftentimes it's because we have or we don't really realize that we have like we have a desire to have our energy reciprocated which means that when our energy or our investments aren't giving us return we tend to demonize either a person or a thing um when really that person has always been that person but perhaps because time hasn't happened or because you haven't had space to expect your energy to be reciprocated you haven't had basically you haven't had the opportunity to see their full character show show i think with time you start to see it in different situations and scenarios you start to see people show different characteristic traits or mindsets that you might have not been privy to because maybe you didn't know them long enough maybe because the situation didn't um, permit for for them to show that part of themselves but ultimately people are always who they are we just start to gain more access and more perspective of how someone is with time and also because we start to create expectations for how we want someone to show up as a result of how we show up for them or the things that we do for them. Uh, where was I? Um, I think I started running out my perspective by saying that life is about choosing people who are on the same side of the spectrum as you um, when it comes to kindness, selfishness, narcissism, love, um, mindset, just to list a few things. And we are either going to accept people for who they are and show up as ourselves um rather than trying to have our energy objectively reciprocated or to be immediately validated by people i think this is similar advice that i give to like my my girls when you know we're having a a chin wag and someone feels hard done by or mishandled and they're like oh such a good woman to him like how could he do this like i should have never done x y and z and i find myself kind of like questioning them and asking are you a good woman by default or are you a good woman because you want to return or you're trying to be impressive and of course there is nothing wrong with trying to be impressive but I think when you're acting out of character so that you can have a particular outcome you'll always experience a deficit or an internal deficit because you'll feel like you've done something and you haven't got the immediate return whereas if you are being authentically yourself as much as you can still feel hard done by or acknowledge that you've maybe been mishandled it doesn't look on it doesn't look at your esteem or make you feel less than or make you feel like you should have been any different because that's who you are by nature so when it comes to things like being kind being selfless um you know walking in your true or, or it's, it's mm, sharing like values and 
demonstrating aspects of your mindset unless you're being fake and you have a desire for a particular outcome how someone else receives or experiences or responds to how you are isn't what is it i'm trying to say you don't allow for someone else to dictate how you show up because you're either being yourself or you're doing it for with a particular intention or outcome in mind so i think to go back to the perspective about choosing people who are on the same side of the spectrum of you i was saying that you have to either accept how you are or accept how others are because those two things are loosely never changing of course we develop ourselves people can change over time your perspectives and mindset and characteristics can change develop be cultivated but ultimately at core you are who you are and a person is who they are so they're never going to change it's important to always try and for the sake of feeling like you are valued and feel validated externally even they shouldn't rely on external validation feeling like you are a part of a community I guess you can say it's important to choose people who share the same kind of expressions mindsets values as you I feel like I made that a bit long-winded but you kind of get what I'm what I'm trying to say um and I also think that I think we often forget how much everything is about like ourselves like everything about life is about you everything that you do you do because of how it makes you feel how it can allow you to attract the things that you want in life and if we're if we are to say that we are all main characters of our respective lives even when it comes to our our spiritual journeys we do things because of how they will serve us in the long in the long run i think it's important to know that people's actions as much as they can be painful, as much as they can make us look at ourselves and question our worth, knock out our honesty, make us feel less than, nothing is ever personal. And you being hurt by someone's expression or actions is almost like a byproduct of them doing whatever it is that makes them feel satisfied within themselves and vice versa when it comes to yourself and how you show up, whether you're doing something good or doing something bad, people may get hurt along the way, people may experience the advantages of having you as a close friend or a lover or a family member, um, but ultimately everything that you do is a byproduct of trying to serve yourself and feeling fulfilled and happy. Um, what else? I think, was that it with the story? I think we spoke a little bit about love languages and I was basically saying that we often expect people to show up how we show up or to love us how we love them rather than learning and defining or kind of allowing people to be who they are so that we can see whether or not we accept their way of loving us or how they show up in love. Um, and it kind of reminds me of a quote that I read. I don't know if it was a quote or it was just a statement someone made about. Um, it's, I think it said, just because you love me doesn't mean I feel loved. Which is moderately off topic because this statement I think can trigger different conversations around rational dynamics or relational dynamics, should I say. And I'm not trying to suggest that, you know, people shouldn't accommodate your needs or shouldn't be aware of how you want to be loved. But I am alluding to the fact that you can dramatically reduce the feeling of rejection and feeling like you're subject to being constantly shorthanded by intentionally studying the company you keep, aligning yourself with those who align with 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 the stuff that you want um, and complement the principles and the values that you live by and also by giving from a place of security rather than a place of expectancy because I think when you 
when you give from a, a place of expectancy, you miss a lot of the good in people, number one. And I also think you start to measure things. I don't want to say measure the wrong things because who am I to tell you how to measure and give things meaning? But I, I do think that we all show up with different gifts in our basket. And, you know, some people show up with tangible things in forms of gifts, whether, you know, it's acts of service or buying gifts or, I don't know, um, physical touch, for example, whilst others might bear the gift of wisdom or words of affirmation or, um, what's another love language? Quality time, which isn't immediately something you can hold, but it is a gift that people give. And if you're always measuring things by the way of how you give, then you might, you might miss the fact that somebody is showing you love in the way that they know how to love or means is an embodiment of or the expression of the love that they have for you i think on another episode we'll probably unpack boundaries because this conversation isn't about allowing people to manipulate you or to take you for granted or to walk all over you or even abuse you in any way um but definitely a conversation about how we are all selfish um in a way and we do things with our own interests in mind so i guess that story was to basically highlight how you know i was speaking with my mum's tenant and he was doing the whole point in the thing is thing like they did this and how dare they do this because I'm such a this person and I love so freely and I'm not selfish and I, I guess I was happy to see how in this conversation he was able to see that as much as the things that he was doing were good things it doesn't mean that the other person is a bad person because they express the art of being selfish in a way that caused him to feel hard done by when really and truly he was doing the same thing but it's just that you know they perhaps left or he gave what he feels that was more because they were tangible things that he was doing versus somebody who was he felt that was just on the receiving end and not doing much in return um yeah everything is often about what we do how we feel what we want and how we can turn odds in our favor and i think in this conversation i also saw the importance of listening to understand versus listening to just reply but again i think there's been so many topics i've highlighted that we can do another episode and really dissect like healing neurodiversity um listening to understand versus listen to reply because i think when when it comes to having conversations if you're too busy forming an opinion in your head and not giving space for somebody to land you i don't know it just feels very aggressive anyways I hope you were able to um, keep up with my story because now we are going to look at some of the definitions of narcissism, some of the theories around them. And then I guess we can end the, end the episode by... Oh, I think I need to sneeze. Ooh. Then we can end the episode and figure out whether you kind of agree with my theory of narcissism being on the spectrum and that we are all arguable narcissists because we all carry traits. So, like I said earlier, narcissism is defined as a personality disorder where a person has an unreasonable sense of their own worth. Already, as I stated earlier, I find the definition very problematic because disorder is horrible, unreasonable. I hate... Do I hate subjective words? I don't hate subjective words, but it's like, I feel like what is unreasonable, who dictates what unreasonable is. Of course, you can all have a common consensus of what is unreasonable, but I think is Is it majority rules? kind of thing anyways we digress we digress a narcissist is a person who 
um, needs and seeks attention. They want to be admired. They may lack emotional intelligence, particularly of others. And they hide behind a mask of confidence because they tend to feel very unsure of themselves and their self-worth. And they're also very sensitive to criticism. I saw that studies suggest that this personality disorder affects more males than females, which was kind of interesting. And it tends to develop um, in teens or around like the early adulthood stages. And it's also seen in children. Um, although some children um, show signs of narcissistic traits, it's deemed as normal and doesn't always suggest that because a child has narcissistic traits that they will turn into a narcissist. However, I did see something that suggested something like um, children who are highly encouraged to believe that they are like extraordinary and always deserve the best can develop narcissistic personality disorder because traits like confidence are rewarded over things like empathy being loving and so forth so they hyper focus on confidence you know being better than others and those kind of conditionings can sometimes lead to children becoming narcissists in their adult um in their adult life i did a lot of read i think i read maybe like six articles and of course watch a few videos um i kind of just gathered the information try and make it as easy to consume as possible but you can you can imagine there's so much online to do deep study about what narcissism is and how to look out for it a lot of the reading that i did emphasize on the fact that having narcissistic tendencies is different from having the disorder itself which i guess um complements my theory because if i'm saying that um narcissism is on a spectrum and on one on one end of the spectrum you have the disorder and on other on the other end you have the tendencies, it means that somewhere along the line, I guess the further up you travel, depending on where you've placed um, you know, the the two labels would just would decide whether you have the disorder itself or just tendencies. Um would would it basically would would it would basically I don't know why I'm I'm start, <laughs> I don't know why I'm stuttering like that. I don't know what it would basically dictate whether you qualify and can be classified to have the disorder or if you're just a person that demonstrates and expresses the five special me traits um that you need to be able to um oh, my, my brain is having a fart let's start again so i was basically saying that if they are saying that um having narcissistic tendencies is different from having the disorder if we put that on a spectrum it means that on one end of the spectrum you'd qualify to have the disorder itself versus on another side of the spectrum you only have the traits which mean that you have you sometimes exude and express forms of narcissism but you're not a narcissistic person i also saw that if a person demonstrates at least five of the special me traits they meet the diagnostic criteria for the condition and the special me traits were basically um sim- symptoms associated with the disorder. S was S was for self or self importance. Oh, sorry, my back is having. Oh, I just feel like I'm all over the place in this episode, but I feel so unwell, and I feel like you should be proud of me for being able to get through the episode as well as I'm I'm going through. Anyways, special me um narcissistic um symptoms are S for a sense of self-importance, P for being preoccupied with power, beauty and success, E for being entitled, C for can only be around people who are important or deemed as special, I for being 
um, intentionally exploitative for their own gain. So being a bit manipulative, if you will. A for arrogant. L for lack of empathy. M for must be admired. E for envious of others or thinking that others are envious of them. And even just looking at the special me um, symptoms, I feel like there are a few of these things that a lot of people could probably like identify with like a sense of self-importance i think we all a lot of people can sometimes feel very important whether it's within like a social setting or just within themselves um being preoccupied with power beauty or success is a trait that i personally can identify with especially when speaking about success um entitled mm, of, of course this is now me perhaps projecting some of my personal opinions i don't like entitled people i don't like feeling like somebody feels like they're entitled to a thing so i can understand why that can be a bit destructive um can only be around people who are important or special i don't know on one hand it's a bit of a red flag or side eye but then again who we deem as important or special is subjective to each person they mean different things to different people um i think the one thing and I don't know if this again is just me voicing my own opinion, but being intentionally manipulative or arrogant, I can see why that can be a bit of a bad character trait. Lacking empathy seems very barbaric, but again, not here to judge anyone. Must be admired. I don't really understand that. Too tough. As in, I understand what it means. I don't understand why you would have an appetite to want to be desired. Um, envious of others or thinking that ever or thinking that others are envious of you understandable i guess anyway so um narcissism is not a genetic disorder and like many other mental disorders environment is a primary influence in how it is cultivated i also discovered that there are different types of narcissists which i wasn't that privy to that kind of information just for a narcissist just like one narcissist and that's that so we're going to look at so that for, first of all they fall into two categories you have an adaptive narcissist and you have a maladaptive narcissist an adaptive narcissist is a person with a disorder which leans more towards a positive trait such as confidence self-sufficiency which can aid with stuff like ambition being interdependent in relationships versus a maladaptive narcissist who embodies more of the toxic traits like entitlement entitlement or man- manipulation i think the article that was the most informative for me was um help guide it broke it broke down the different forms of, of maladaptive narcissism and i was just shocked that there were so many and i was also shocked that i was able to identify one form of narcissism and it really had me thinking and unpacking my character so the different types of maladaptive um narcissism are overt or grandiose narcissists which is associated with being extroverted but um also being non-cooperative so very selfish overbearing having an exaggerated image of self a high self-esteem which allows them to be confident and assertive but also overestimate um emotional intelligence within yourself then there was a covert narcissist which is basically the opposite of um an uh, overt narcissist um obviously in it being the opposite is this person's very introverted um very sensitive to criticism and suffer from low self-esteem this person can also be quite defensive, passive aggressive, but they are less likely to overestimate um, their own emotional abilities in comparison to somebody who is um, an overt narcissist. Then there was communal narcissists, and this is the this is the one that had me thinking, child. Um, communal narcissism is a person who tends to view themselves as un- unselfish, caring about the well-being of others, or to care very deeply about fairness. But their behaviour is motivated by desire for social power and a sense of superiority or entitlement. And I was like, 
clutch is pearls. I was literally blank staring as I was reading this um definition of a communal narcissist because I was reading the description. I'm like, I care about well-being. I'd like to think I'm very unselfish and care about others most days. Um, don't immediately think I'm an entitled person um, or have an immediate appetite for social power. But then I started thinking, hmm, how do I know that I want to maximise my influence because I want to have impact or just because I want to have power? Is it about me feeling satisfied and fulfilled and accomplished or serving and helping others? I was literally, like, tickling my brain. Um, And I think where I have a little kink for, like, shadow work and self-work, it just had me thinking about why I want what I want and what it's reading. And even when I'm thinking about entitlement, I imagine that when you attain a level of um, success or you feel accomplished in a, in said thing, don't you become entitled to treatment on how you want to be treated or how you expect to be treated or how people should perceive you? So, yeah, I found it very interesting to read it. It's like, oh, my God, I could be a communal narcissist. <laughs> um, we also have an antagonistic narcissist, which is... I feel like when I try and say narcissist quickly, it sounds a bit funny. Antagonistic narcissist. Anyways, which is, again, the opposite of a communal narcissist. It is about competing and it's all about having social interactions which um, have, like, a win or lose outcome someone who is an antagonistic narcissist um their perspective is shaped with a lot of aggression hostility they're very quick to cut to cut people off and they're also very slow and willing to forgive people and the final form of narcissism was a malignant malignant m-a-l-i-g-n-a-n-t malignant narcissist and this was said to be one of the most destructive forms of narcissism because it's made up of all the typical signs of narcissism. But this person has like a very heightened sense of aggression, very antisocial. They have a disregard for people's rights and safety. And um, I also said they can be quite sadistic. So they kind of see a, or they feel joy in other people's pain, paranoid and other stuff as well. Um, like I said, I used a lot of different sources to gather the information, but of course you can imagine that this is all just like surface and we haven't even spoken about the scientific studies around the disorder, what happens in the brain and in the body, which forms said expressions and traits. Um, there's a lot online about how to deal with narcissism, such as, you know, being educated about about the, the term itself, which I kind of feel like maybe I've aided a little bit and given you some surface information to kind of chew on. Thank me later um dealing with a narcissist a lot of the stuff spoke about having boundaries staying calm and specifically not taking things personally to list a few like i said earlier a lot of the things that we do are for the sake of making ourselves feel comfortable fulfilled and happy and how people experience our expression or the, our actions is a byproduct and it's not always intentional which is again not me excusing how people can sometimes hurt or mishandle others um even though it was labelled as a disorder, in most of the articles that I read, I saw that it can be quite challenging to treat or even recognise that you have narcissism or that someone is a narcissist. Um, but there were things like, you know, therapy, counselling, which was said to aid with awareness and coping with the process of self-discovery. Um, in severe cases, stuff like mood stabilisers, antidepressants, um, antipsychotic drugs were even prescribed. Um I am a religious person. I didn't see anything online about things like meditation or religious study that can aid with heightening awareness. 
for me personally, I know that reading the Bible, fasting, worship allow me to have an objective view of myself and to kind of like allow things about myself to surface enough for me to reflect on them, um, become aware of them, validate them, remove them, detach from them. Um, and just overall, just, you know, be reflective and heighten my awareness. And I won't get holier than thou with you, but I'm just literally saying that none of the reading that I did highlighted the support that spiritual study um, and your journey can also have towards high, heightening your awareness when it comes to character traits. Um, yeah, that is all for today. I would love to know what your thoughts are on the episode, what your experiences are with narcissism or narcissists, narcissism or narcissists. What did you think of the different forms of narcissism? Do you think you can identify with being an adaptive or maladaptive narcissist over covert, communal, um, what was it, nice, malignant narcissism? Um, what did you think of my story? Do you feel like it actually complemented the theory? I was trying to give you a bit of body so you can you can see how in a natural situation you can go from pointing the finger to looking inwards and realising that you two are narcissistic in by way of being more concerned with your own sensation feeling of power and feeling good versus the objective to make another person feel good because i think he's when, when he's specific specifically about being a good person and doing and the other person being bad by not doing i wanted to basically highlight the fact that they were both doing the same thing just giving him another perspective to do so um but yeah, do you think it was relevant, my story? Did it spark any questions, any ideas? Do you agree or disagree with my theory that we are all narcissists and that narcissism is on a spectrum? Let's keep the conversation going online. You can do so um, via at October 7th on socials. Thanks for listening. Feel free to DM me and have a conversation with friends and family as well.